Hello friends and strangers, welcome back to Wisdom Weavers. I'm really excited about this particular episode. I had the privilege of interviewing tattoo artist and financial coach Ryan Roy. I was lucky enough to meet him, I think it was about two years ago now, while I was still living in New York City. I had this impulse to get a falcon tattooed on my arm, and so a mutual friend of ours connected us and we ended up doing a trade where we traded an astrology reading for a tattoo. And we ended up doing more trades after that and actually just becoming really good friends. So without further ado, Ryan is a native New Yorker and he is the owner and artist at Ducca Tattoo Studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I'm not positive on the pronunciation if it's Duca, Ducca. I think it's Ducca. Um, Anyways, Ryan says it in the podcast, so you'll know the right pronunciation. In his 12 years as a tattoo artist, Ryan has prioritized artistic excellence and personal spiritual growth. The name of his tattoo studio comes from the Pali word for suffering, which is the language that the Buddha spoke. Although he does not consider himself a Buddhist or follow anyone's spiritual path, Ryan is greatly influenced by Buddhism and many other spiritual philosophies. At the start of the COVID pandemic, Ryan started a financial coaching business for artists and freelancers, and that is what he is here to tell us about today. His views on money are holistic and include the practical, emotional, and spiritual aspects of managing money. Ryan views money as a flow of energy and he seeks to find a balance between our relationship with the material and spiritual world. All the links to his work and references will be in the show notes, and I just want to apologize for weird sounds or any abruption in like sound or anything with the editing. Basically, this is very DIY right now. I am editing this podcast and doing this podcast in the most DIY, off-the-grid possible way. So bear with me. Hopefully in the not-so-distant future, I will be upgrading to nicer, fancier sound equipment and editing. But for now, I think there's a lot of heart in it, so hopefully it sounds okay. Just bear with me. So good morning or good night wherever you are. Lots of love your way. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, well, I, I've been a, a tattoo artist now for, uh, almost 13 years. Yeah. About 12, almost 13 years. And, um, it's been, you know, art has been like the, the saving grace in my life. Uh, I've gone through so much stuff, emotional, spiritual struggles that, um, you know, I honestly, don't even know that I'd be alive or that I'd be uh, the person I am today if it wasn't for art. So I would say that like art was ultimately the, or the, the desire to, to create was like, like the driving force of all of this. Um, mm. And uh, you know, we're, we're here, we're kind of talking about, um, you know, like, you were you were bringing up uh asking me about my uh financial coaching business and kind of how that how did i go from you know being an artist and then like what inspired creating uh, a coaching business around finances you know usually Mm -hmm. i I find it the other way around people will start a career in finances and then uh you know leave that to pursue their artistic passion right and um i i honestly find that both of them are aligned they support each other um, so if I start where, where I would say my story started, so I, I was in school for actually jewelry and metalsmithing around the time that I had also started to tattoo. So, um, just pursuing a bunch of, you know, artistic, creative passions. And, um, I, 
was working actually with a, a coach. There's um, this, uh, they call it like a transformative education or a series of seminars through uh, Landmark in, uh, Education or Landmark Worldwide, I think might be called now. Uh, anyway, you could Google that and look that up. But uh, it, it's made a big impact on my life. And I was uh, in a course with them working with um, a coach of sorts. I don't know that I'd call it a life coach, but it, it was someone that was, you know, guiding me through taking on myself, taking on my perspectives and the things that were getting in my way. Uh, and by doing so, you know, really uh, taking the lid off of what's possible in my life. That's mm -hmm. what I like about doing work with Landmark is uh, the, the, the roof keeps coming off, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's always more possibility available. Um, so we were having this conversation about money because the course I was in was uh, honestly one of the most expensive things I'd ever put money, invested money, invested in myself in, in, in my life at the time. And I didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted to get out of the program. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had expectations and those expectations were not being met. And, you know, so we started to talk about, okay, well, like, you know, uh, you know, I was bringing up the money thing and he said, well, you know, what does money mean to you? And it was the first time that I had ever even heard or considered that question. Mm. Um, but it was a very valuable question. It probably might have been the most valuable and rewarding question that I've ever been asked in my life. Mm. Uh, you know, looking back over the years, again, I was probably around 23 and I'm 34 now. So, you know, over 10 years ago, this question was asked to me, what does money mean to you? And I said, well, money is the source of all evil and suffering in the mm. world that all pain and suffering in the world can probably in some way be traced back to money as being the cause and source of that pain and suffering. And I need more of it to like be happy in life. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So it, it had this like dual, very hypocritical meaning to me. And the, you know, my, the coach said, uh, you know, okay, okay so uh, how's that working for you? I said, well, uh, it's not working that great, actually, because I'm miserable uh, around money. And, um, and so he helped me to create what has become a, a mantra that I have repeated probably at this point tens of thousands of times I have repeated this mantra. And the mantra is that money is a flow of energy. It flows to me. It flows away from me. And my job is to simply not block the flow. Mm. And so what that looks like in my life is uh, if the universe is, uh, you know, being generous with me, with money, with energy. I'm, and when I talk, when I say the word money, I use like like energy money they are the same thing mm -hmm. for me mm -hmm. um I, you know when i when i say money i do mean energy um so when the universe decides to be generous with energy with money uh i can just open up and be a receiver of that i don't have to feel guilty of it i don't have to feel uh shameful or anything i can be a, a whole open vessel to receive that generosity mm -hmm. and when that energy seems to be flowing away from me I do not have to resist it flowing mm -hmm, away from me. Mm -hmm. um, and by doing so, I really allow the energy to breathe in my life. It breathes in and it breathes out. You know, it's like if you just breathe in, uh, you know, and you never breathe out, you know, you will die. Right. Uh, so um, I view my relationship with money. And again, you know, it's like, it, what is money? You know, you, you can define it any kind of way you choose. Um but it, it's my time and my energy, my life force. I trade my life force. I trade my creativity. I trade my energy for this symbol of energy in the form of money, whether right. that's paper money, digital money, cryptocurrency, whatever you want right. to call it. You know? um, I'm also no stranger to bartering. I, yeah, I, that's I'm how we met. Artist. That's how we met. We bartered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's an exchange of energy is all that is. And we, didn't, we just didn't need money for that exchange of energy. But that right. doesn't really make it much different, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought so... that was super interesting, like, looking back on how we met. And I was literally looking to trade 
um, a, an astrology reading for a tattoo. And then it's like, it's kind of funny that that's the foundation of our relationship. And here we are now talking about that. And, yeah. you know, it's like, what is abundance? Because I could manifest a car that somebody gives to me, or I could buy a car, you know, you're still getting the things that either money buy or something is brought to you in another way. But right, yeah, it's like, that energetic exchange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it shows up in so many ways. We live, especially, you know, uh, you're not living in America, but especially in, in the Western society or, you know, Western capitalism. I'm definitely uh, in Western we, capitalism, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we relate to money as a thing that you, you work hard, and the harder you work, the more money you make. Like you have and, to suffer for it, basically. And you, have to, you probably have to suffer for it. If you're lucky, you don't have to suffer for it, but you still have to work hard. Mm-hmm. And, but if you really look at the, let's call that a, let's call, let's call that one story that we're all being spoon fed this story. You work hard, you make more. If you really look at that story, it, it holds no water. There is no real equation to the, you know, I know people that work real hard. And if that was true, that the harder they work, the more money, you know, uh, then they'd be, you know, Jeff Bezos right now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> just like owning that that's not the truth yeah. is uh, helpful. And in fact, one thing I'd like to say before I say anything or anyone who's listening to this, here's anything I have to say. I just want to note that like nothing I have to say is the truth. No perspective I offer or belief that I believe in currently in this moment as we're recording, uh, which I may not believe in the future, mm-hmm. but none of it's the truth. Uh, if it's useful, try it out, try it on. Like you try on a coat, mm-hmm. look in the mirror. How does it feel? Does it fit? Does it look good? Does it make you feel good? If yes, wear it. If not, throw it away. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about my, my thoughts and, and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think there's also this thing that blocks people because I can also see, um, I mean, and maybe this is a whole nother conversation, but how even just pleasure, it could be like physical or sexual pleasure, but also just the pleasure of enjoying life is also like something that's received and given. It's also like a flow of energy. And I wonder if people like, the more you can just enjoy life, you're able to flow. And a symptom of that would be money flowing to and from you, of course, with certain actions taken. But I, I love that you use the word symptom because um, I've used that before uh, in, in talking to someone saying someone was telling me I had you know, some idea I was sharing with them was uh, really great. And they're like, um, you know, you're 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 they said something about like you're going to get rich or something with this, which you know, I don't even know <laughs> if I believe that. Great. <laughs> I believe that, but I, what I said to him is that um, something like I'm not I'm not concerned with getting rich. Uh, I trust that, you know, financial abundance is a side effect of my overall condition, right? It's a symptom of my condition, but the, the financial abundance doesn't result in my condition. Um, my condition, my, you know, personal belief system or perspectives on the world. I feel that abundance is a, a natural symptom or side effect of the condition, Right. Right. Yeah. And even like, I mean, I'm all for some reason, the correlation between like, it is like a form of life force. It's a very material form of life force, but it is a form like, it's the same thing with like, even let's just say sexual pleasure, like a lot of people think you have to work really hard for this, like, low grade orgasmic state, actually, (laughs) you can just open yourself up to the flow of energy that's coming to you and you can let go and release and you can, you can be a channel for this flow in and out. And I mean, that's manifesting, that could be sexual pleasure, but I also feel like this could happen financially as well when you're really in alignment. Yeah. So uh, that, that idea that we have to work hard for things. I actually, in my, I think I was sharing this with you in my most recent uh, ayahuasca ceremony, um, I was given this message that it doesn't have to be hard, mm. you know, I, and, and I find that I receive these, um, these mantras or, you know, uh, I almost feel like they're programs that get embedded into my mm-hmm. mind. Um, 
that it doesn't have to be hard. And it's been a mantra that I've been using recently uh, when it comes to uh, all sorts of areas of life, but particularly with work. And, and there are times where I do feel like I work too much or I work mm-hmm. too hard. I own my own business and I'm starting another business and I have a family and a baby. And, um, but I, I've been using that mantra. It doesn't have to be hard. And it can be hard, and it's certainly not bad if it is hard, mm-hmm. um, but it's not good either, you know? Yeah, like it doesn't have to be this dogmatic state we have to be in where it must be hard. Like sometimes it's hard. Sure. And we, we in our culture too, we like idolize like uh, working too hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, God, especially can... in New York. Yeah. Oh my God. And that's all I know. I'm born and raised in New York. So it's like, I'm just so used to like it being this, um, thing to, you know, be proud of. Oh, I work harder and I work so many hours and I do, you know, um, and I've been questioning that a lot recently. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's something that I like, I, you know, when I'm working with, with coaching clients on their relationship with money, we, you know, that's a conversation that comes up a lot is they're like, well, I just feel like if I had worked harder, Um, or if I, like, I need to work harder. I was literally having this conversation maybe like two days ago with someone about, you know, if I, if they, they were questioning whether or not they should work harder to, uh, resolve, uh, you know, the financial situation they were in. And I was saying, you know, that's one option, but, uh, you could also consider that like by using money more wisely, uh, cultivating a healthy relationship with money so that, you it is in alignment your spending and earning is in alignment with your authentic self uh that the the solution will arise and it won't be because you worked harder mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'm hearing this idea of like it's the giving and the receiving like opening up to receiving more financial abundance but also allowing it to flow out of you and i think some people can receive a lot, but then they hoard and they don't spend and they do nothing with it. And that's also a, a, a like a way of lack mentality, no? Like even if it's totally. coming in. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like the, the give receive, like what is it yeah. to really be abundant yeah. in that way? Yeah. Um, that, that leads, you know, to one of my favorite topics of, of non-duality, but uh, you know, we are, we live in an illusion of, duality so we think that we can uh we think that it's or we at least act aligned or in accordance with that we can bring more happiness into our life and avoid sadness or Mm. we can find you know more of this and less of that we can Mm. take a magnet and we can break off the positive end and throw away the negative end but as we all know, if you break a magnet in half, or I don't know, maybe you don't know, but if you break a magnet in half, <laughs> you will have two positive negative ends. Um, and so I, I've heard, you know, there's a lot, uh, there, re- very recently or in the past couple of months, there was like a lot of articles about like these money manifestation mindset gurus or teachers or coaches. And there was like a lot of things talking about it, like for it. And then a lot of things talking against it. And I was interested in the, the whole topic because it's something that has affected me mm-hmm. uh, very profoundly. I've benefited from uh, using mantras in my life. Um, but again, my mantra is not like I'm opening myself up to receiving all of the abundance of the universe. That's not my, mm-hmm. my mantra is I'm opening myself up to whether the flow is coming in or out. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, because if we, again, it's like, it's like trying to only breathe in and resist breathing out and you will get into trouble real quick. And I I think people are like, they're so attracted to the idea of like, oh yeah, if I work with this person and they teach me how to be, uh, accepting and open and inviting of abundance in my life, then I'll cultivate abundance and it'll be great. But you're, you're also whether you're conscious or aware of it or not, you're resisting the opposite of that. And when my dad likes to say, what you resist persists. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can, you can do all the mantra work you want. Um, but if you're also resisting something, you might find that you, <laughs> you end up manifesting more of that uh, than you do of the thing you're trying to manifest. Wow. And you're like, you're really opening my mind right now, because I think 
I've had this focus on receiving more, receiving more. And actually I'm realizing the points in my life where I was making the most amount of money. And I was also able to allow that money to grow, but I was Mm -hmm. also spending more leisurely as well. I wasn't overspending because I still was, I still managed to save quite a bit in those times, but I was allowing myself to spend and I would receive more on that. And I've never thought about that part of it till Mm. now. Yeah. You know, I, I think, so one of the things that uh, I've found, one, one of the issues that I help people with is again, they either they feel like they're overspending or they just simply don't know where their money is uh, where it's going. You know, they know it's coming in, but they have no idea where it's going. And um, you know, it's like you're, they don't have a system in place. They don't have a habit in place. Uh, so it, you know, their, their energy is, is kind of coming in as fast as it's moving away and they're resisting one and not resisting the other. There, there's also uh, what I like to call vagueness, you know, the, and, and vagueness when it comes to finances, when, I mean, when it really comes to anything in life, but vagueness is the enemy, mm. you know, clarity is what uh, restores integrity to that area of our life. And I firmly believe that uh, by restoring an integrity, we are actually uh, creating the fertile soil for miracles to show up. Mm. And that when there's vagueness, when we're out of integrity, when we uh, said we would do something and then we do something else, when we are not taking actions that are consistent with who we authentically are, then we're out of integrity. And Mm. sometimes there's even like agreements that we didn't even say, but there's like societal agreements. There's, you know, yeah. There's taxes, there's things, there's ways that um, the system's built in place. And whether or not I said, oh, I want to play the game of, you know, paying taxes and living in society or not, I, I sort of agreed to do that by the very nature of living in on the grid in society. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. And I found that when I uh, am trying to skirt the system, uh, and again, I'm not speaking on anything like political or what the government does with tax money. I'm not talking about that right now. That's another conversation, mm-hmm. uh, not part of what I'm talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I find that when I'm in alignment and I'm actually doing what's expected of me with integrity uh, and I'm not acting out of fear or scarcity and trying to hide something or, you know, I mm-hmm. am actually creating a very fertile ground for miracles to show up. Uh, this, is, this is something that came up in a book that I, I loved and I'd recommend to you. It's, it's actually a book called The Energy of Money. Um, oh, yeah, you sent me a photo of that. Yeah, and she, she talks about, I can't remember the author's name. Right I'll now, link it in the notes. For link sure. it in the notes. Uh, she talks about that, that when we create and restore integrity around our money and around our life, that what, what causes us not to have integrity is really fear or greed or whatever it is, um, but that we can have faith that by restoring integrity, we don't know what's going to come out of it. And that's what makes it the realm of the miraculous is we don't need to know. We can just have faith that it will show up. And, and what does that look like? Like vagueness versus clarity, integrity versus not integrity when handling money. Can you like sort of give example to that? So that, because I think if people are vague with themselves, they won't even know what you're talking about. I feel I have a good idea, but I want to hear your take on it. That's perfect. Um, So for instance, um, when I started my own business, um, I opened up my own very small tattoo studio. It was just myself. Um, but I wasn't working for a shop. Um, I met with a family friend who kind of worked for a non-for-profit organization that helped small businesses, uh, kind of teach them the, the ropes, you know, what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, at the, up until then I had been just using my personal account as the business account and the personal account, um, money was coming in it and money was going out of it, but it wasn't clear as to what was a business expense versus, not a business expense, what was money my wife was giving me for something versus income. And so it was very vague. Mm. And so much energy had to be one mental energy had to be put into that to worry about it, you know, to be like, Oh, right, I'll have to make a note, and remember that this was that. And later on, I'll, you know, and just like mentally, uh, the acrobatics that I had to pull off, 
consumed mm-hmm. so much of my energy to maintain vagueness, you know? Um, and then uh, I was going to say another, um, I mean, it just, I mean, it just didn't, it just didn't work. It just did not work for my business to have uh, no clarity around that. So simply creating a separate business account was the beginning of creating that clarity around mm. my finances. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, I've, I, and this is something I teach people to, to do is uh, use something they call like the bucket system where I actually use multiple uh, bank accounts. Uh, I have maybe over a dozen uh, separate accounts for different areas of my life. And then I have a system for automatically transferring money into those areas of my life. Again, automatically moving energy into the areas of life where that energy is required. So say money for my daughter, for daycare, for, you know, expenses for her. There's an account for rent. There's an account for our car emergencies. There's an emergency savings fund. There's growth, uh, you know, um, hopes and dreams, a fund for expanding my business. Uh, There's a retirement. So there's all these different and that creates clarity rather than having all my money in one account and being totally mm. oblivious as to, well, which part of that money is my money to spend? Usually we look at that money and we're like, yeah, I have X amount of dollars, but do you really have that money? It isn't part of that money going to your landlord and part of it going to the, the right. store that you buy your clothes at mm-hmm. part of it going here. So, um, I find that the more clarity I bring into where the energy is flowing in my life and then setting up these automatic systems so that I don't have to manually uh, be like, oh, wait, did I do pay that bill or put that thing? Like uh, it takes it. Right. I'm, I'm a human being. I'm fallible. I will make mistakes. But when I set up an automated system for it, um, I, I don't have to expend that mental energy worrying about uh, the lack of clarity, the vagueness. And then I have this abundance of energy that I can put into my art and my creativity. And that's, again, like I said in the beginning, that my art was what inspired my journey into uh, building a healthy relationship with money. It was all so that I could have more energy to be artistic and creative, to give to my clients, to create an experience for them, um, you know, and being of service to people around me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I guess you come from a profession and I mean, you, you know, you're, you do well as this tattoo artist, but also you come from a profession where you're not getting a steady paycheck, nor are you getting like, ta- like you have to do your taxes. You have to, um, you have to, you'll, you'll have, I guess, varying degrees of how much money's coming in and out. And that's also partially probably based off of what you're willing to do as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've made a regular income my entire life. Uh, I, you know, and that, that leads to this feast or famine mentality that for a long time where, you know, uh, in the winter time in New York city, the, the tattoo, uh, it's, it's not really the season. Um, people tend to stay home and not get tattooed and I could go a week without making any money. I could, you know, I would have, uh, you know, it would just be, and you would just kind of eat ramen and uh, just trust that, you know, uh, summer will come again and we'll, we'll, and and this summer, you know, this time I'll make sure to save something for next winter. But then you're so not used to having the abundance that when it came in, I didn't have any system in place to make sure that I had anything saved for next winter. So I would, uh, you know, I would have it spent almost faster than I would get it in, you know, um, same thing like uh, someone wins the lottery you know and they they don't have any system in place for managing such a large right. sum of money so i like to say like whatever your relationship with money is the more money you put into that relationship you'll just have more of that so if you live and act in a fear or scarcity mindset around money it doesn't matter you can give that person 10 million dollars and they will still act in that fear scarcity mindset they will act as if that money is going to disappear any minute now. So I might as well spend it on a Ferrari or something, you know? Right. Um, And uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, like you're saying like that irregular income, it was 
and I got, I got used to it. I got used to how difficult it was. And I had all sorts of excuses to tell myself, oh, well, the reason I don't have money saved is this or this or that. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't until I, I actually read a book called, it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. You can also link that. It's, it's a very cool. famous book. It's a little bit dated. I have uh, actually started kind of rewriting my own version of it just because it was written almost 100 years ago. Mm. Um, but uh, that book taught me that the, the foundation of my practice around money is simply that 10% of everything I earn uh, is saved and is used to uh, grow more energy. So whether it's used, invested into my business or it's invested in the stock market or real estate or wherever it's going, it's, it's used to grow. Mm-hmm. So where do you feel like it, it feels, I mean, it doesn't feel, I'm pretty sure, you know, collectively, I mean, even just globally as a collective of humanity, we have a very unhealthy relationship to money and nobody's taught us like how to have a healthy relationship to this. It's super ingrained. Like, where do you think that comes from? And how do you feel? Do you see that changing? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like my bigger mission is to one, start talking about the fact that we are currently in an unhealthy relationship with money as a society, as a, as a global, you know, human, uh, collective we we seem to have a pretty unhealthy overall relationship with money and there's there's nothing i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that i'm just acknowledging that that's what's so mm -hmm. and uh i think people should start talking about that having these kinds of con these kinds of conversations will uh you know lead to you know solutions answers things that work for everybody now one of the reasons i believe one of the, I'd say the causes of the unhealthy relationship that we have with money, I'd say, look at who benefits from the unhealthy relationship with money. Mm. So there are, you know, we're all very aware that a small uh, percentage of the world's population owns a very large percentage of the money, of the energy, mm -hmm. right? A, lot, a large portion of the energy is um, focused on a very small uh, percentage of the population right. and it, it really benefits them that the rest of the population be uneducated about finances and um, and have a, a bad scarcity oh. mindset it really benefits them for us to believe that if I work harder I will make more money and I will succeed it greatly benefits them because who are we working harder for right and I think we're kind of this is more on like maybe like a a young level or like a collective psychological level, but it feels like, you know, some people with a scarcity mentality will look at like envy over somebody who's doing really well or, but I once had a friend who very much has the, like, you have to work hard and suffer a little bit for money. And he was talking to our friend who's actually quite abundant. Like there's something inside of him that's very abundant. And he said, oh, like that's not, not, not to him. He said something like that's not fair. And then my friend who's quite abundant in that way just looks at him and goes, dude, you're just playing the wrong game. We're talking about two mm. different games. Mm. And I was like, that's so true. Yeah. They, the, one guy thinks they're in the same game, but they're not. There's this mentality thing. There's this, they're playing a different game. And I think this, this 1% or whoever this benefits, they want us all to be in this game that's more of the like enslaved game. And I'm not trying to go into any conspiracy theories. I'm just like that you totally. know, this benefits them. And I mean, I'm happy to go into conspiracy theories another time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shy of that. But It'll be a follow-up you know, episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, but then but it's only if we're locked into that game. But if we, if we decide to play another game, look at it in a different way, forge a new relationship to the thing, we're no longer playing that slave game yeah. anymore. And again, and again, these are not like the truth. We're not talking, I mean, right. who knows what the truth is. Exactly. But we're offering it this as a perspective to start to shift your, your views. You know, if we, I, I love like, tying spirituality and quantum physics like the the two seem to be merging together the the more we learn of the quantum level and how, how much our consciousness projects itself onto the fabric of reality to you know manifest the world around us the thing we call reality uh more and more stems from our thoughts uh, something i 
was even more deeply made aware of again during my last ayahuasca ceremony i, I saw like the the bricks of reality coming from our thought process um mm. and uh yeah it's so yeah again you know i i do like to acknowledge too that like there may be people listening uh you know and, and considering like well you know it takes a certain uh privilege or something to even talk about money in this way and i just want to acknowledge that 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 might might be the case um and i'm not apologizing for it i'm not saying that it's wrong or it's right uh i'm just mm. saying that, like there's definitely people that are in financial situations where like they can't begin or they feel like they can't begin to look at things from a spiritual or emotional level because they're literally living right you know hand to mouth right and um i i, I mean i don't come from uh you know I, I come from a very middle class you know background um I have had times in my life, like I said, where I've lived off of ramen and lived paycheck to paycheck. And what changed that for me was my changing my mindset. So I don't, I can't say that I've personally experienced extreme poverty or anything like that, but I do believe that just starting to tweak our perspectives around that, regardless of your financial situation will uh, improve your situation. Right. And sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to really make a shift for anything. And yeah, I, I don't think yeah. it needs to be that way, but that is often the place. And I actually find that, yeah, so I, it's hard. I don't think I would have been able to even talk about, I wouldn't have thought about these things as deeply if I wasn't ever in a position where I was in extreme survival mode, which I've been in to yeah. my own, in, in my own standards, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel very fortunate that for whatever reason, I've been able to see, I've, I've been able to see myself in the future uh, at times in my life. Uh, like, like really just like envisioning, you know, future Ryan, uh, what I like to call, uh, you know, my, my inner elder, you know, like we have like an inner child, we also have an inner elder, an older, wiser, mm. you know, version of ourselves that uh, that we're responsible for taking care of. And uh, it was it was actually one of the things that um, prompted me to uh, get sober, to stop drinking alcohol, to stop uh, using drugs was, um, you know, seeing myself in the future and, and and almost seeing that, like, if I keep doing this, I will hit some kind of rock bottom. I could see that coming. I could feel myself circling that drain. And mm -hmm. the same, I would say the same thing happened for me with money. And I could see like, if I keep continuing to do what I do now, it will never look different. I will always have no money to show for all the work that I do, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I even got this sense of like, this feeling of like rebelliousness of like, you know, maybe you know, again, like maybe that's what they want. They, this small percentage of the world wants us to kind of be stuck in this vicious cycle. And maybe by um, educating myself about how, you know, how money works, how investing works, how strategies for saving money, um, that that is actually a, a form of, uh, of protest against mm -hmm. the system that wants us to stay broke. Right. And wants us to be hopeless in a way, I think almost. Yeah, it wants, to, it wants to keep the carrot right in front of yeah, us, you know, yeah. through media, television, movies, making you think that, you know, uh, oh, I can, if I just, you know, try to show this idea of success without actually having it. There's a term I heard uh, in one of these books I was reading, uh, the term was, um, uh, it's like from Texas, I think, uh, big hat, no cattle. Uh, and I guess these, these cow farmers uh, will use it for, uh, you know, someone that has a lot of money and they start dressing the, you know, they want to look like a cowboy, I guess. And they get a big shiny hat, and a big belt buckle. Uh, you know, they look the part, mm -hmm. but they, they don't have cattle. They don't have a real farm. You know, they're just looking the part. And um, yeah, we, we have, we, you know, through Instagram, through social media, we feel like, oh, we have to show the world how successful and happy we are 
Uh, and that because we all do that and believe that, then we all keep doing it to each other in this vicious cycle. And um, I think that also kind of keeps us stuck in the rut and is also what the, you know, the small percentage of the world uh, want the other percentage of the world to do, you know? Right. And, you know, this is kind of reminding me, and I have like a follow-up question to this, but there's, it's kind of reminding me of this, like, there's the idea, I mean, there's starvation in the world, there's overconsumption. I mean, I'm just even talking with like food, let's just say with food and resources. Yeah. But actually, if we're all custodians of the earth, and actually work with the earth, there's plenty, like there should be no famine, even with 7 billion people on the earth, there yeah. should be like, ideally, if you're working in the easiest way possible, if you're just like guard, like working with the earth, there absolutely should be no famine, just like there should probably be no poverty, if you're actually working in a healthy way. And so I guess like the question is like, and this is, this is hard, because like, intellectually, I feel like, yes, of course, this is true. But I think there's a program inside of me that's struggling to true, to like truly integrate this, which is, is there enough to go around? Is there enough money for everyone? Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I have, I have what I believe to be an answer. Uh, I can't say that it's the, and, and rarely do I feel that I have an answer to things. So if yeah. I say I have an, a real answer, um, I, I do feel strongly about it. You're um, on the right podcast for that because that's yeah. what this is all about. Yeah. So I believe that it is, um, it's, it's, it should be a priority that uh, spiritually mindful, um, you know, people with their with all their eyes open people who are uh embracing their spirit embracing the connectiveness of all of us if anyone identifies with that i I believe it should be your priority to uh to educate yourself to learn to be to build a healthy relationship with money because if we have if we live in a world where that most of the money is actually held by uh, enlightened, spiritually mindful people, then there will be enough for mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and, and again, I'm, you know, we, we live in a world where money happens to be the way we exchange energy. If there was some other way we exchanged it, then we'd be talking about that. But yeah, but money like if it was corn, be, we'd be talking about corn. It, right, sure. <laughs> or some other alien psychic way of transferring energy from my brain to your brain. We'd be talking about that, but we don't yeah. have that. We have money. It's what we use. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about the system that we have. Uh, and if right now, most of the money is not being held by people that are awake, that are spiritually, um, you know, raising their vibration, um, then, then that's what them, that's why the world looks the way the world looks. Mm. And, you know, I, I feel like there's this idea that, uh, spirituality and money, like can't, they're oil and water Yeah, work together that for me to be more enlightened, I have to, uh, resist the physical material world more. And again, what you resist persists. So, uh, it, it, again, and bringing it back to like non-duality, like the, the material world and the spiritual world are two sides of one coin. You can't have one without the other. Right. And by integrating them together in a holistic view on the world, on your life, on reality, that's what I believe will uh, result in enough for everyone, abundance for everyone, maybe even a new... <clears throat> a new way of relating to money. Maybe money stays the same, but the way we look at it totally shifts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I think it's really, uh, it's really hard. I think this is, this is almost like a different conversation for the kind of person. And I'm not saying this with judgment, but the kind of person who just like goes to work, does their time, their nine to five and comes home and knows what they're going to get. And like, if that's what you've chosen in life, I totally respect that. It's not like with any judgment, but I think it's different for maybe people like us who like you're offering your art. I've at some points in my life offered my art, but like what I do in the world, what I get paid for is an extension of who I am. And Mm -hmm. 
something that let's just say artists, I mean, I'm a birth keeper, but I'm, I've done a load of things, but basically when you're offering yourself, which is an extension of you and for you, you could say it would be tattooing um, or even this financial coaching business. There's this, like, I think we struggle in the beginning to set a price be- like we, we can really lowball like what we're worth Mm. And almost like, oh, I don't want to take too much from you. Or like, what, you know, is that just like a confidence thing? Like, but I think sometimes people stay in that. And like, I think artists or people who really get paid for whatever is truly an extension of themselves rather than like a technical skill. Like, yeah, I guess like, how do we forge? Like, is that a different conversation to have with people like that versus somebody who's just going getting the same paycheck every day and i mean ultimately it is the same conversation because you can apply it to you know if someone's getting the same paycheck um what they you know and and we unfortunately tie what we make you know monetarily to our self-worth which they absolutely are not tied together uh regardless of what your net worth is that is not a symbol uh, or a, a an accurate measurement of your worth as a person, as a spirit, as an individual, I would never agree to that. Um, but it, so I would say that, you know, and this is a really good topic. I think that uh, people talking about what do I charge? What am I asking for in exchange for my time and my energy? And so you have on the one end, like you want to be accessible to people um, you don't want to exclude anyone, right. but then if you go too far down that road, then you end up giving so much of yourself and what you're, the energy you're receiving isn't uh, filling your tank up again. You know, mm-hmm. you don't feel uh, rewarded. And I, I do believe there's a way to offer services that exceed someone's expectation based on what they paid or the energy they transferred for the goods or services. So I Mm -hmm. firmly believe that whether you're an artist or a coach or a doctor, whatever, whatever someone's paying or again, transferring energy uh, and receiving your goods or services for, I want the person to feel like their expectations have been exceeded. And I believe that the person offering the services should feel like they're charging an amount that is that they are being uh, greatly rewarded for their goods and services. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You totally. can have both. You can have both. And one, there's there's several things to consider. And I, this is not an exact science. And it's going to be very different for different people and different backgrounds and services. But one thing I, I started to think about was that when I, um, when I, give money for something when I pay, you know, say I'm buying something and it's significantly more expensive than what I'm used to paying for other things in my life. Like it's, you don't, you don't always spend $5,000 on something in, on right. maybe you do, right. I don't know. But for me, yeah, yeah. let's just say the number 5,000 is not an ordinary amount for me to uh, give in exchange for goods and services. Right. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when I do make that stretch to, um, to give of my energy uh, more than what I'm used to, a few things happen. One, I appreciate what I'm receiving way more. Like I, because I know that I've yeah. given so much of myself for this, I'm making sure that I'm going to get good use out of it. Um, and... Uh, and so there's, there's, there's a, in a way it makes it more valuable, the exchange that I'm giving now, of course, there's uh, exemptions, there's frauds, there's all kinds of things like that. But, you know, on a, in an efficient market type of situation where the goods being offered are worth what they're being charged, I believe when I stretch myself, I am expanding my appreciation for uh, what I'm receiving. I'm right. also expanding what I know to be like, uh, like w- what I'm, what I'm, what I'm familiar with spending on things. When I expand that again, that flow out, I'm also expanding the flow in. 
Right. It's so true because I, I feel like when I think of, you know, I've put $500 down for this or a thousand dollars down for a plane ticket or, or I paid a huge amount of money for like, you know, an ayahuasca retreat or whatever it might've been. I've never been disappointed when I've done that. I've always felt like, cause, and I was doing it for like, it wasn't, I'm not very, I wouldn't say I'm impulsive. I do. I am spontaneous, but I can feel like in my intuition, this is a full body. Yes. And I follow that. And whenever it's a full body, yes, it's, I'm, it's never, I'm never wrong. And like, I think that's really interesting. And I think when I started doing Reiki and birth work and stuff, and I started charging real prices for it. And of course, sometimes I'm giving it as a gift when I feel it in my heart in the moment. And sometimes I, you know, sometimes it is, there is some sort of energetic exchange that happens. But like when I had my, a certain price coming in and I wasn't used to getting paid that much for like me being me. And, and I actually had so much more energy to give when it, it felt like they received more when they invested. Yeah. And, and I really felt that. And I said, oh, this is a really good learning experience for me. Like, it's okay. Like, you, you are giving what that's worth. Right. You're not, you're not just charging more money. And, and when you just look at it that way, sure, you can feel guilty or whatever, as if you were taking from someone. Yeah. But that's not what's happening. You are you are also simultaneously giving them so much more. You know, when my, when I raise my prices for tattoos, I know that I'm doing it. One, I'm doing it because I've already been giving so much more. It's not like, okay, I'm going to raise them and I'm going to start giving so much more. I've actually been giving a lot more to people in terms of quality, time, energy for quite a while. And I'm only raising my prices to meet that that I've already been doing you know right exactly exactly it's matching how much because I could feel when my prices were lower I still loved it but I I had so much more energy when I raised the price because it felt like the exchange that was energetically the right exchange yeah and I could feel more energy in me you know I I just had this thought when you when you were talking uh, a little on on the topic but you know, you're talking about uh, doing Reiki and um, I've had some incredibly powerful uh, Reiki sessions uh, done on, on myself. And one that like, I, I mean, I definitely went into Reiki like a bit skeptical, I'd say, but also at the same time, totally open to be surprised. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. how I approached it. Um, and I've done other things like, uh, you know, whatever. I've, I've definitely done things that uh, I was skeptical of and I was not impressed with either. Um but I had this thought that so like, you know, money only has value because we trust, we have a collective trust that mm-hmm. this piece of paper uh, <laughs> is uh, a true exchange of energy and that I can then exchange that energy, you know, somewhere else. Um, but like, I can envision a world where we simply perform Reiki on each other because we all trust in the same way that we trust in the dollar right you know we trust that that exchange of energy because that's the only difference there is no difference between you hovering your hands over me and me giving you a dollar bill and saying you know that this means something other than the mutual trust and belief that we both put into right that so Mm -hmm. i just had that vision i wanted to share that because i like i would love that would be amazing, you know? Um, yeah. Like, there, that there was really the is no difference. There, so there really cool. isn't. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, money has no intrinsic value. It's like a collective agreement. It's a collective agreement. So, uh, let's and say it's a middle you know, man. there's an alternate universe, maybe, existing parallel to ours, where they simply just perform Reiki on each other, and that's how their economy works, you know? Yeah. And they just trust that it works. <laughs> and there's no question. <laughs> That'd you know? be, I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> And some, you know, you can save and store and invest your energy uh, and they have a, a some sort of Reiki market, some stock market where they're uh, <laughs> imbuing their energy into organizations that they believe in and feel empowered by sharing their energy with, you know, um, anyway, mm-hmm. I, just, I love these uh, fun visions. To, to it's explore. super cool to think about. So actually, I have this quote by you and I love it so much. You wrote this to me in an email and you said, 
My experience is that money will never fill a spiritual hole, but spirit can help us fill a financial hole. Financial abundance can be a side effect of a healthy spirit. Yeah. And I think it's really amazing to be saying like money and spirituality in the same sentence. Cause there's just this, like all these old oaths we've probably taken in past mm-hmm. lives of like, I'm going to be a monk on the Hill. I'm mm-hmm. not going to have anything. And there's those programs are playing in us. And, and it's like, and we look at, we look at the material world or somebody who's let's say material, let what does that even mean? Somebody who has a lot of nice things, let's say, which is a great thing to have, you know, and then be like, oh, they must not be spiritual. Actually, maybe they right. really are. And, right. And then or yeah. we look at the person that, you know, they they derive their self-worth or their happiness in life solely from the material world. Right. We, right. we look at that person and we make judgments of that person. Um, but then we look at the ascetic that has completely negated the material world in devotion to God or the universe or whatever it is. And we're like, Oh, like they're so wise, you know, like I'm not saying that they're not wise, but I'm just acknowledging that they're both scenarios are extreme. And they're also in that sense, exactly the same. Right. They're, they're, they're both, two sides of a coin it's just one's the heads and one's the tails but one is not better or worse i'm not even it's not bad to be to solely derive your self-worth and happiness solely from material objects i don't think there's anything wrong with that it's not what i would choose for myself it's not an authentic expression of who i truly am but neither is you know sometimes i'm thinking you know i think oh man if i uh just negated the material world and i moved to india and you know, uh, gave up whatever I feel like I need to give up, then I'll achieve enlightenment. And that will mean I'll be happy, or at least it'll look cool, or some idea. I just, I just find that anytime I see my mind gravitating towards some extreme, as if that's the solution, I try to reel it in and and say, you know, where's the between space, you know, where's the, the non dual space that I can have both of those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so would you say like mm, that you're like, how, how do you envision yourself like being able to spread this message? Do you feel like if you're working as a financial coach that you're always going to keep um, a spiritual connection involved? Do you think you're going to attract a certain kind of person? Like what, I guess, what's the greater message behind this financial coaching business that you're starting? Yeah. If you um, could sum it up. Yeah. So it's something that I was, um, I felt called to do. Like I felt this pull to do it. I basically for over a year, you know, my, my tattoo clients would sit in the chair and I have this captive audience. They can't go anywhere. And we would just start talking about business. And it would like, the conversation would often lead into finances. And I was learning so much. Uh, and I was sharing that knowledge with people. And I found that my clients were like leaving their session stoked about the tattoo, but then like <laughs> going on about all that they've learned about. And they're like ready to start the retirement <laughs> account and they can't wait. And they're like, wow, I'm going to like create multiple buckets for my savings so that I can create clarity around my finances. Like they were excited. They were as excited about that as they were about their tattoo. Yeah. And That's I was awesome. like, there's something here. Like I want to yeah. offer this in a, in a more official way. And again, if I'm charging for these services, I can do it in a very even more powerful way. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, so it was really over the, the pandemic. I had to shut my tattoo studio down for four months and mm-hmm. it was right around the beginning of that. I, I was like, okay, this is, this is not going to be over in two weeks. Like I, I need something to do with my time that I decided I'm going to start this, uh, business. Um, it, I, I, I call my business the artful dollar. Um, it's, you know, you can link it the artful dollar.com. I have a bit of a blog and um, you know, more information about, uh, my coaching services, but what I see it. So I, I believe for anyone in a coaching profession, um, and you know, it can go for a lot of things where you're working one-on-one there's, there's right fits and there's not right fits, you mm-hmm. know, and 
I believe that uh, I will attract clients that are feeling some unrest in their relationship with money. And that can manifest in any number of ways. Um, they're probably going to be someone in a creative field, uh, whether they're an artist or, or, you know, a hairdresser, a musician, a writer, a photographer, a tattoo artist. Um, and maybe they make uh, irregular income and, and they're also open to, uh, a spiritual solution along with the practical like systems in place, learning about investing, learning about strategies and tools and habits to build around money. Um, but they're, mm -hmm. they're also open to uh, a spiritual approach. And by doing so, I'm going to be like propagating um, this idea that um, money and spirit can coincide, can, yeah. can live together. And by doing that, I like, I think that's, that's my way of contributing to the world. I, you know, my daughter's almost one and a half. Like I want her to live in a world where money and spiritual conversations aren't separate yeah. uh, where, you know, imagine if you had a company and they had uh, some lead role, the chief spiritual financial officer, something <laughs> like that, you know, like ways, how are we, aligning our uh financial practices with the the greater you know spirit that connects all of us um i would love to live in a world where that was the case uh maybe i'll if any company wants to hire me to be their chief spiritual financial officer i'm accepting uh, <laughs> offers uh yeah i just i think that would be cool that's definitely going to be your job down the line in some way <laughs> shape or form <laughs> Hopefully for like Amazon or something, some company that really needs it, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, so then I'm thinking if, yeah, what what piece of wisdom do you want to leave us here with this conversation? Like, I know that's like a big question, but if you could yeah. leave one last drop of wisdom, what would it be? Um, I mean, it's, I honestly, it, it would just, I would just come back to, my original mantra uh because i i think that that it i have repeated this again tens of thousands of times it has you know like when you're when you're in a a, a ship on the ocean and you want to you know if you turn your uh, direction by just 0.01 degrees uh over a long distance you'll end up in a completely different part of the world than where you were headed and i that's what i believe mantra work and affirmation work does uh, I don't, it's not some quick fix and, and I don't teach quick fixes. So if you're looking for a quick fix, you know, there's other places that offer that. I don't know if they work or not. Mm -hmm. They haven't worked for me. Uh, and by reminding myself every day, multiple times a day, that money is a flow of energy. It flows to me. It flows away from me. And my job is to not block the flow. Um, I believe that over time that will have the biggest impact on your overall life uh in, in the same way that it has for me and and what i've found is that like my journey into my relationship with money is the journey into my relationship with myself my money is my energy it's an expression of myself it impacts my relationships it impacts my contribution to the world it it, there, literally it impacts my health. There isn't an area of my life that my relationship with money doesn't impact. And it's the most rewarding journey I can imagine going on. Um, in that book, The Energy of Money, she, she calls it the hero's journey, uh, you know, the journey into our finances. And I, I so related with that. Um, and another mantra that I recently, very recently, this is like a highly evolved version of the first mantra. So I don't know if people are fully ready for this one. But, bring uh, it, bring it. Let's hear I've it. Been, I've been, I've been reciting that my life is a song, and my money dances to the song of my life. Mm. I love that. It it feels very playful, and it it feels like if I were dancing to something, I would just move in the direction I feel called to move and you can do a sad dance and you can do a happy dance and you, you know, whatever my life, whatever the song is that's playing. If my, if my life was a song, 
the way my money works and acts and flows in my life is a dance to that song. And I just right, it shouldn't really be sitting the on the sidelines waiting for for your song to dance with it. It's right, dancing right, out on right, the right. on the dance floor. <laughs> right, or or standing watching everyone else dance and being like, oh, I don't want to dance because I don't yeah. want someone to think or feel this way. <laughs> like, make mistakes, make mistakes with money. It's okay, you know. Uh, right. Particularly the the younger you are, uh, the more time you have to, uh, you know. Um, you know, yeah, correct those mistakes, learn from those mistakes. I, and the other thing is like, I still make mistakes with money all the time. I do things and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Or, oh, well, maybe I could do this differently in the future. Um, I'm not some like master guru or something like that. And, and in fact, it's because I'm continuing, I will always be on this journey. I'm open to making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. That's what I believe makes me a really great coach is I invite people to come on this journey with me, see for themselves what is so valuable out of it. And, um, you know, that they will be, they will be amazed before they are, you know, far before they're done with the coaching program. That is for sure. Mm, That's so great. I'm so excited to see where this goes. I know it's just the beginning, but I, I was saying, I know you're coming from the heart and I'm really excited for the people who are going to work who are going to work with you or who already are. Um, and so, I mean, I'm going to link notes, but yeah. um, it's uh, theartfuldollar.com. Mm-hmm. And do you have an Instagram as well at theartfuldollar? Yeah, you can find me at theartfuldollar. You can also find me at Duka Tattoo, D U K K H A underscore tattoo. Uh, that's my tattoo Instagram. Um, I'm a lot more active on the tattoo Instagram at the moment, but I, I, I like creating content for both. Um, and yeah, you know, if you have any questions, you can email me Ryan Roy at the There's also ways to contact me through my website. So yeah, cool. I'd love I'll... to hear from people. If anyone has questions um, or is, you know, interested in, yeah, just speaking with me sometime, uh, I'm happy to uh, share and hear your thoughts. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, thank you.